Welcome into 444.com. It's the most accurate podcast. My name is Anthony Stalzer. Alongside me is John Paulson. What's up, JP? Uh, not a whole lot. I had an adventurous night, which I'm going to probably do a Twitter rant on tonight, uh, just as a tease. But uh, I'm ready to go, ready for, ready for this podcast. Can you give us a tease on what the rant, just just like two words, what the rant could be? Well, it kind of goes in with the music that we that brought us in. It's uh, the Black Keys, uh, old track by them called Set You Free. It's off their 2003 um, album Thick Freakness. And uh, I tried to take my family to go see them. Uh, last night at the Will Turn in LA, and uh, it didn't happen. So I, I have a lot to say about it. So uh, look out for a Twitter rant tonight on uh, over there on Twitter. All right, cool. Um, the, all right, so that was the music too that John mentioned. Looking forward to the rant a little bit later on on Twitter. By the way, you can follow John Paulson on Twitter at four 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 underscore John. You can follow me at Anthony Stalter. Today we're going to discuss the latest news and injuries. Cover the Titans and Jaguars Thursday night game. What a barn burner there! Marcus Mariota put on an absolute show. I'm sure John's got a lot of breakdown on Marcus Mariota. Then we'll discuss a few of John's sneaky starts for Week Three, which I always enjoy. First, though, word from our sponsors. Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy site, brings the heat again with a $750,000 guaranteed rake-free contest. The Hooter main event, the largest and the rake-free contest of its kind you will find for Week 3. It's outstanding. Remember, only on Fantasy Draft are 100% of your entry fees paid to contest winners. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com with promo code 444 and you'll get a free seven-day trial membership. This podcast is also brought to you by Iconic, a not-for-profit organization that will help you find the perfect pair of eyewear or contacts, and you want to make sure that toward the end of the podcast you tune in for an opportunity to to hear about another promo code related to Iconic. Let's jump into the news heading into week three. Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, both banged up. Drew Brees suffered the hand injury. Now it's the Teddy Bridgewater show for a couple of, at least six weeks. Ben Roethlisberger out for the year. How is this going to impact the Saints and the Steelers respectively? Well, I spent a lot of time on the rankings this week, just looking at these two quarterback situations, along with a couple other ones, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But Teddy Bridgewater, if you remember, uh, made the Pro Bowl in 2015. Uh, He was a game manager then with the Vikings. He had 14 touchdown passes in 16 games that year. He also ran three touchdowns in, had about 200 yards rushing. Uh, He's not, hasn't been running as much for the Saints. Uh, He has a career uh, yards per attempt of 7.1, which is decent. Um, His preseason looked like this, 43 uh, pass uh, pass completions for out of 70 pass attempts at 61.4%. 400 yards passing. That's 5.7 yards per attempt. That's not good. Uh, Two touchdowns and one interception in the preseason this year for the Saints. Taysom Hill is the third quarterback there, we think, Uh, although Sean Payton made some allusions uh, that maybe he would play more than what people think. But he was 40 of 59 in the preseason, 67.8% completion, 443 yards uh, passing 7.5 yards per attempt. That's pretty good. Uh, three touchdowns and one interception. Obviously, he's a very good runner. Um, so his stats look good. I know there's some question marks about him as a as a passer. Maybe you can get into that after I talk about uh, Mason Rudolph uh, for the Steelers. Um, but back to the Saints for quickly. I, I, I'm looking at this as a downgrade for Drew Brees. Um, and I, I mean, and that's not. I'm not going out on a limb to say that. I don't think Bridgewater. <laughs> um, 
is maybe I don't think I think Bridgewater's reputation is better than what we're we see right now, and um, you know this will be a good test for him, to, you know, a chance for him, opportunity for him to get the full reps in practice and go start a game and uh, see how he does. Uh, but you know, based on what we've seen lately from him, it um, this looks like a downgrade for Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, um, Teddy Ginn obviously as well. Uh, I don't think it's a death knell to any of those guys. I mean, Kamara's going to be used a lot. Uh, Michael Thomas is going to see a ton of targets. Um, so it's just not as much upside with this offense as, as there was with Bridgewater under center. Um, and then on to Mason Rudolph for the Steelers. And this, I think, is less of a downgrade from Roethlisberger to Rudolph. Um, two preseasons and last week's uh, game against Seattle, if you combine all those numbers, 64 of 106 uh, for 795 yards passing. That's 7.5 yards per attempt. He had nine touchdowns, um, which is a really high um, touchdown rate, and three interceptions. So he will take some chances. He pushes the ball downfield. I watched um, some of his throws uh, from the last week and then also in the preseason, and he does have a nice deep ball, and he's willing to test it deep. So um, I think this bodes fairly well for um, some of the receivers there in Pittsburgh. Um so that's sort of where I'm at. Do you want to talk a little about Taysom Hill at all? And, and then maybe we can talk more about the Steelers' uh, receivers? Sure. You know, I think the biggest thing that people got to remember or keep in mind with Taysom Hill is that if the Saints wanted him to be Drew Brees' primary backup, they probably would have let Teddy Bridgewater go to Miami this offseason when he had the opportunity to go out there and, and start for the Dolphins. They brought Teddy Bridgewater back at a, at a high price because they felt as though that if Drew Brees – suffered an injury or the the production fell off that that he would be the quarterback at least the, the at least a very least a bridge quarterback right so I think if if Sean Payton felt as though that Taysom Hill was going to be uh, a decent backup somebody that could run the offense they wouldn't have done that with Bridgewater now that's not to say that if Teddy Bridgewater looks for consecutive weeks like he did in LA that they that Sean Payton just won't say hey we're going to go to Taysom Hill but for right now I think he's still primarily just a you know a, a guy that's gonna gonna be in some some packages each and every week just like he has been uh, over the last year or so. I think Teddy Bridgewater, who when he came out of Louisville, his, his major strength was his accuracy. Didn't have the strongest arm. Wasn't somebody that was flashy, but his his accuracy always stood out. I think he's gonna be okay. And with Mason Rudolph. We've watched Gardner Minshew now, and I know we'll get to him a little bit later on, step in out of an air raid system at Washington State and to varying degrees have success, have success already in, in three appearances. In today's NFL, where they're running a lot of the spread or air raid concepts, I think quarterbacks like a Gardner Minshew or a Mason Rudolph have a better shot of success than three, four years ago when that learning curve was just too great, and that's why we didn't see guys like uh, you know, anybody out of Texas Tech or these air raid systems have success. So I'm very intrigued by watching Mason Rudolph, although I do think that the Steelers' passing game as a whole has some issues. Uh, and I think that that goes beyond Big Ben. Uh, anything else on this, John, or should we move on? Well, I want to talk a little bit about the Steelers and the receiving core and um, what's going on there. I mean, Dante Moncrief, it looks like he's been benched. Uh, Deontay Johnson told reporters the last day or two that he's going to start from here on out. So maybe somebody told him that James Washington, uh, his his snaps spike. So I think we might be seeing um, a th- you know three wide receiver set of James Washington, Deontay Johnson on the outside with Juju Smith-Schuster back in the slot. 
uh, that looks to me to be more dangerous than what they were doing, you know, prior to that with, you know, Ryan Switzer and Dante Moncrief, uh, who has four drops in two weeks. And the last one last week uh, was from Rudolph, and it, he just popped the ball right up in the air for an interception, and it was bad. I think they basically benched him at that point. So we'll see if that continues. Does he not play hardly at all now? Uh, if they, do they go to Washington and Johnson there? And uh, just one note on Washington, he played uh, with Mason Rudolph, I think, for three years at Oklahoma State. So I'm I'm intrigued now if he sees now a spike in snaps and then also has his college quarterback throwing him the ball. I think there should be quite a bit of familiarity there, and um, he's one of my sneaky starts this week. All right, let's talk about Cam Newton now. He's out this week. Kyle Allen draws the start. It's interesting when you look at Cam Newton because, one, he's Newton, and Kyle Allen is not Newton, but what we saw the first two weeks – you're almost getting half a player with Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the shoulder is still bothering him and or the foot, but Cam Newton didn't look right, certainly last week in, in um, that Thursday night matchup against the Buccaneers, and didn't didn't necessarily play well in week one. The accuracy was well off. He was, he's not running. Yeah, they, had, they had that play where they handed the ball off to Christian, Christian McCaffrey at the end instead of giving Cam Newton a shot to maybe uh, pick up the yard on his own. So, there's, there's kind of it's a it's a polarizing situation when you look at Carolina. So how does this impact? How does Kyle Allen drawing the start impact Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, and the rest of Carolina offense, John? Well, this is another one, sort of like the Mason Rudolph, where you know an injured Ben Roethlisberger is not necessarily better for the receivers there than uh, a healthy Mason Rudolph. And I think the right. same thing goes for Cam Newton and Kyle Allen. Uh, you look at Cam Newton's numbers this year: fifty for eighty nine. That's 56% uh, completion, uh, 6.4 yards per attempt, which is, you know, right now through two games, that's a career low. Uh, one interception, no touchdowns. So that's not good. So if you take Kyle Allen and maybe, you know, you look at his week 17 start against the Saints last year, uh, 16 for 27, two touchdowns, 8.44 yards per attempt. And that was in New Orleans, where it's difficult to play. I'm not sure if the Saints were actually trying to win that game if they were resting their starters, but um, those numbers are good. Uh, you look at his two preseasons in that game combined, 63 for 103, uh, 61% uh, completion. Not great, not terrible, uh, but 681 yards passing. That's a 6.61 yards per attempt, uh, three touchdowns and zero interceptions. So there's nothing here that tells me that He's worse as a thrower right now than what Cam Newton looked like in the first uh, two weeks. And Curtis Samuel produced against the, the Bucks last week. DJ Moore uh, produced uh, in both games this year. Uh, Greg Olson had a good game against the Bucks on Thursday night as well. And that was with a, a banged up um, uh, Cam Newton uh, under center. So I think Kyle Allen is, and again, I watched his all his throws against the Saints last year. Um, they, they will they will run him a little bit. They'll do uh, like you know um, design runs, design runs for him. Sorry, um, and and he also had a really nice um, deep touchdown pass to Curtis Samuel in that game. Uh, it was a bomb. It just hit hit Samuel in stride uh, right down the middle of the field. So um, I'm not especially in this game against the uh, the Cardinals and the, as fast as the Cardinals play and as many. Uh, plays that are likely to be run in this game. I, I'm pretty bullish on the, the Panther uh, offense as, in all, as a whole and also the passing offense with, with Allen under center. Well, there seems to be kind of a theme now, and as we move on to Daniel Jones and the Giants, the Giants benched Eli Manning for Daniel Jones. I don't know if this necessarily hurts the Giants offense. 
John, it might not help, but I, I don't think it's going to be any worse with Daniel Jones taking over from what Eli Manning gave the team over the first two weeks. Do you agree or disagree? I agree. I mean, Daniel Jones in the preseason, again, 29 for 34, 85% completion. And I think his completion uh, percentage, his accuracy was the issue at Duke, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 12.2 yards per attempt, obviously that's great. I mean, it's a small sample size. It's basically one game's worth of passing. But 416 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, you know, the highest uh, passing uh, quarterback rating that I can see here in, the, in this list of passers in the preseason. So, um there's a re, you know, looking at what Eli has been doing, and he wasn't really. It's not necessarily fair to him. He wasn't playing with a full deck of weapons. He lost Odell Beckham, and then Sterling Shepard was out, and Gold Tate is suspended. So he's really dealt a pretty bad hand. Uh, even so, uh, he wasn't letting it up or looking very good. So Jones in there now, I think, is is a you know an uptick for this offense, and he's going to get Sterling Shepard back this week. He's got Evan Ingram, a good. Uh, tight end, and obviously Saquon Barkley can catch the ball out of the, out of the, the backfield, and in uh, a week or two you get um, Golden Tate back. So uh, things, I think, looking up for this Giants offense as well. Let's talk about Damian Williams now. He's already been ruled out. He's got a knee injury. LaShawn McCoy is, quote, trending in the right direction, according to James Palmer. Do you feel good about not only LaShawn McCoy starting, What do you? how do you feel about Kansas City's backfield as a whole? I don't want to say that LaShawn McCoy is a trap this week. Because I don't think he's a trap. I think he could um, score a touchdown or two. I don't think that the running game is going to be very good with the Chiefs. They're averaging 3.0 yards per carry, uh, 72 rush guards per game. Some of that was Williams, but McCoy hasn't been particularly efficient either. And they're facing basically the number one rush defense in the league. The Ravens have given up 1.8 yards per carry. Only 21 rush yards per game given up by the by the Ravens. So the, the chances that the Chiefs find a lot of running room uh, seem unlikely, um, but again, you have the Chiefs p- passing attack, and maybe that loosens up the um, the Ravens' secondary. But really, if they were smart, the, the Chiefs they would just basically throw the ball 50, 60 times uh, this week against a very banged up Ravens secondary, and uh, you know really feed the ball to those receivers. Uh, with McCoy, the other thing with McCoy is that his ankle is banged up; uh, he's not a sure thing right now as of Friday, so he's obviously not 100%. And so if that's the case, what do they do with him? Do they give him the ball 20, 25 times in the game? Or do they use Darwin Thompson, who looked great in the preseason? Do they use uh, Daryl Williams, who has been pretty good for them in spots as well? So I think that you end up seeing a committee here. And it's a committee led by McCoy, um, but they're not going to run the ball very well. So you're hoping for, you know, receptions, I think. And and Damian Williams, that's where he was making some plays, was in the receiving game in both, uh, both games that he played. So... That's what I think you're looking for. I just feel they're going to have to split this up three ways, and it's not going to be McCoy as a fantasy RB1 this week. All right, Devin Singletary ruled out for the Bills as they host the Bengals on Sunday. So the ageless one, Frank Gore, what do you think about him? Where do you have Gore in your rankings for week three? You know, if you, if you look at what has happened so far in the Buffalo backfield, it's been basically – Singletary, well, Gore's got more touches, but Singletary and Gore, it's been a two-man show. Uh, the vast, vast majority of touches with Singletary out have gone to Gore. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming he's going to see 15 to 20 carries in this game. Uh, I don't know how many catches he'll get. He's never been like a giant pass catcher. They have TJ Yeldon there, uh, who they haven't used at all, uh, but maybe he sees now some backup uh, snaps and some change of pace snaps because I don't think they want to run 
uh, gore into the ground uh, with Singletary banged up. So, uh, you know, a few carries for, for uh, Yeldon. Maybe he's got more work in the passing game, and then you see Gore in there for 15 to 20 carries, maybe a catch or two, maybe he gets uh, a touchdown, maybe two. Uh, the, the Bengals are third in rushing yards allowed. They're tied for fourth in rushing touchdowns allowed. So this is a nice matchup, and that makes uh, Frank Gore a sneaky start. Marlon Mack returned to practice on Friday. He's dealing with a calf injury. James Connors dealing with a knee. Upgraded, though. Full on Thursday. How do you handle their RBs that, that clearly aren't 100%? Uh, but, it, but in many cases here, John, you, you selected these guys in uh, the second or third round. Well, I think most, you know, you know, owners that have these guys in, in redraft are going to end up starting them. I know uh, we have James Conner in FFPC. We're going to be starting him, I'm sure. Um, I have Mylon Mack and the Scott Fishbowl. I'm definitely going to stop start him there. Um, so you end up starting him, but you do in my rankings, I do downgrade them. I just feel like it's it's more likely within the game for them to miss snaps due to the you know inflaming the issue or having a setback with the injury. Maybe they come out for a few snaps. Maybe they get knocked out completely. Um, it's also an increased chance that the, the team realizes that they're not 100 percent, they're not fully healthy, and they give more carries and touches to the to the backups there. And uh, Jordan Wilkins was a hot pickup for a day. Uh, Naheem Hines is able to you know pick up the slack in the passing game if, if Mac can't play his full complement of snaps. Uh, as for James Conner, Jalen Samuels looked good on a screen pass uh, with with Rudolph, so he could see more time as well. And they, I think they gave uh, Benny Snell a carry or two last week uh too but i think connor should see the most touches in that backfield max should see the most touches in that backfield i just don't think it's going to be as much as they would uh see if they were 100 percent. deshaun jackson core ruled out alshon jeffrey calf mispracticed on friday but doug peterson is still hopeful uh slash optimistic that alshon jeffrey will play dallas goddard did practice today which is friday so he might play um but i think the big name there is Nelson Aguilar, and if you haven't picked him up on the waiver wire, uh, and if he's still available, John, I think he's kind of an interesting start on Sunday against the Lions. Yeah, certainly. He had uh, 11 targets, 50 snaps. He had a really good game against the Falcons. Um, you wonder if he might get shadowed uh, there, but I don't know if, that, if he deserves it, so they may not. Uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside had uh, four targets, 49 routes, um, I meant to say routes there with Aguilar with 50 uh, per uh, prof, uh, a PFF. So uh, Matt Collins also played quite a bit. He had eight targets, 47 routes. So it was basically a three-headed monster. And Arcega Whiteside was just terrible. He had one catch and was basically not involved. And I think, you know, I think Aguilar is the obvious one. I think Arcega Whiteside is the one that maybe is lower owned in DFS. But he is kind of a hot name in fantasy. He was in the preseason in terms of what he did, uh, you know, in the preseason and the the skill that he has. Uh, and this might be a, a Miko Hardman situation where, you know, Hardman was thrust into the lineup and into snaps week one, and the team had not game planned for that at all, and he didn't do anything. But obviously in week two, he was a much bigger part of the game plan after a week, week, uh, week worth of game planning and week worth of reps. I think maybe the same thing happens with Osega Whiteside. He's now prepared to start. Um, he may not. I guess if Jeffrey is, they're trying to get him healthy. Uh, but to me, it looks like Jackson's out, Jeffrey's out, and uh, Goddard's going to play. So that's how I'm viewing it. I still think Zach Ertz is the no-brainer play in this. I think Aguilar's pretty good, pretty good play. He, he has disappointed in big spots before, though, uh, so that's a little bit of a worry. But he's never been the number one receiver 
or the number two option in this offense uh, behind Ertz before. So, um, yeah, and I think Arcega Whiteside is an interesting tournament play, um, maybe a, a sneaky start in, in deeper leagues where, um, you know, you, you're getting down to the barrel in terms of who you have to start. David Njoku suffered a broken wrist, according to multiple sources. Those that have David Njoku, what's left on the waiver wire at this point? Who can owners turn to? Well, I have Njoku in our league. Um, I probably shouldn't have drafted him. <laughs> I didn't like the pick when I, I didn't like the pick when I drafted him. I felt like it's his always targets the worst, were, isn't it? Yeah, I just felt like this is a keeper league too, so he has upside, and I ended up drafting. I have to see who I passed on if it was if. Uh, Mark Andrews was one of the guys I passed on. I'm going to kill myself. Um, <laughs> well, not really. I'm not going to kill uh, So I picked up Will Disley uh, from Seattle. He has, you know, five games played, but he's got a touchdown in uh, three of those five games played, uh, four touchdowns total, I believe. So he, he is an option there, and that S- Seattle offense is kind of low on pass catchers. So, uh, you know, he's probably a guy who could score you zero or he could, you know, score a touchdown or two and have a big game. And he had a couple of big games as a rookie last year before he got injured. I think Jason Winton this week especially is a decent play with uh, what's going on with the Dallas receiving core. Michael Gallup's out. Uh, he's got a touchdown in each of his first two games. Tyler Higby is banged up, so you could look at uh, Gerald Everett. Uh, that is kind of a sneaky start as well if Higby doesn't play. Um, Everett's very um, athletic, and that – um, those tight ends there do produce about 10 fantasy points per game PPR combined. So that could be Everett's workload. Uh, I would have said James O'Shaughnessy. Uh, long-term, I think James O'Shaughnessy is actually a pretty good pickup. Uh, you know, I would have said that yesterday as well before his touchdown last night. Um, he's been seeing quite a few uh, snaps and routes there for, for Jacksonville. And then Demetrius Harris is the direct replacement for Ninjoku, and he's a Six foot seven, former basketball player. He's mainly a blocker, um, but he could, you know, maybe catch a touchdown pass or two uh, in the next couple of weeks. All right, I do want to talk about the Thursday night football game, but first I want to announce that if you want to sign up to four for four and you can use the code TMAP, you'll now get twenty five percent off your order for a limited time. So again, four. If you're looking for a subscription, four for four dot com has still has you covered. So early in the year. Use the code TMAP now, and you'll get 25% off your order for a limited time. John, uh, did you want to add anything else to that? Yeah, I just wanted to say that it's part of my compensation at 444. I get a bonus whenever I'm the one that sends a new subscriber to the site. So um, if you want to support my work and make sure I get a little bit of a kickback, you can use the link uh, bit, B-I-T dot L-Y backslash TMAP John, T-M-A-P. J-O-H-N, that's all in caps, the TMAP John part. Um, or go to my Twitter page, you can click on the link in my profile description, uh, and then hit the subscribe button in the top right, and then I'll get credit for your sign-up. So uh, that's basically it. And um, John won't do it because he's, uh, he's a humble dude, but I will for him. I've worked with John for a very long time, um, and bef- well before John started to work for 4 for 4, uh, I had an opportunity to right on the same blog as John. He always did fantasy. Um, John is outstanding when it comes to his his accuracy, when it comes to his rankings, um, when it comes to waiver wire pickups. He, he has you covered. He puts in the work. And he, I mean, I know on Tuesdays, uh, John basically isn't available because he is in his mad scientist lab uh, coming up with all the rankings. But he's he approaches it from an engineering background and also from a film study and just 
kind of purely having a feel for the game. And, and again, you're not going to find any better uh, than John Paulson when it comes to fantasy football rankings. I know a lot of people say, ah, well, you know, I've, I'm this good, I'm that, whatever. John's got a track record of being excellent when it comes to his accuracy. So, Thank, just thank you, Anthony. I just, want to, I just want to let the record show that I didn't ask you to say any of that. No, no, you didn't. I, You know, again, I, I, it's – we we don't you know for for you and I John we're we're not when it comes to promotion and things like that you know we could probably do do a little bit better in that that regard but I know that for you it's it's uncomfortable and for me it's uncomfortable but um, I do want to mention that as John you know talks about how you know he gets uh, a bonus or anything whatever I, look it, it's not just about that the the guy is going to help you. Uh, at the very least, be competitive and, and hopefully make the playoffs and if not win a championship in your fantasy leagues. But no, John John didn't have that as part of our, part of our show rundown today. That was all off script. Um, <laughs> once again, use that code 25%. Uh, t- for 25%, use that code TMAP. Okay. Uh, by obligation, we have to talk about this Thursday night football game, John. Uh, not a good one for Marcus Mariota, the Titans offense, Derrick Henry got shut down. Jacksonville's got a very good defense, but, um, if you took my pick last night, sorry, I have the Titan. I had the Titans minus uh, two, one and a half, something like that. I, 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 I really thought that the game would boil down to not only defense, but which running back got going. And I, I sided with Derrick Henry and the Titans and got burned and they, they looked awful. They had a Fumble on a punt. Adore Jackson dropped, uh, muffed, muffed the punt early on, set up the early Jaguars touchdown. And really, the Titans tried to get in, get back into it a couple of times. But it's just, it was an ugly game all the way around for Tennessee. Not for Gardner, Gardner Minshew, though. And if you want to start with, uh, actually, let's, yeah, let's start with Jacksonville's offense, John. So 20 of 30 was Gardner Minshew. 204, two touchdowns, no picks. Leonard Fournette, 15 carries, 66 yards, and he really just had a big carry at the end. That's that's where the, the, the yardage came from. DJ Chark continues to look good. Four catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown. This kid looks for real. Westbrook dropped the touchdown but caught five passes on nine targets for 46 yards. Who who stood out for you in this Jaguar offense? Well, I just was looking at Fournette's line. That's hilarious. 15 carries, 66 yards, and a long of 69 yards. And he had 66 yards, right? I mean, <laughs> If that I mean, he was negative. He was fourteen, fourteen carries for negative three yards. That's amazing. Um, you look at the workload for Fournette. I just start there. Twenty-one touches, um, ninety-two yards total. So that's solid workload. Eight targets in the passing game. So even though this could have been a semi-disaster if he had not had that long run, or it would have been a disaster if he had not had the long run. He ended up with a pretty decent fantasy line. I think Minshew now is working his way into like streamable against good in good matchups type range. Um, and Chark, I you know in the preseason I wasn't like all over him, but I did mention him a few times, and I have him on a few teams. And you know he was running with the starters uh, in camp and was reportedly looking really good. He's got the the physical profile of a a good player, and he's got a touchdown in each game. And you know hyper efficient, five targets. Four catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, one of the go-to guys for Minshew. Uh, Westbrook, even though he only ended up with like uh, 9.6 PPR fantasy points, he did have the touchdown opportunity. He had nine targets, so you got to like that um, workload. And then I guess Conley is the other guy there, two for 30 on three targets. He's starting to worry about him and his overall workload. Um, and then I mentioned O'Shaughnessy before. I think if you're desperate at tight end, um, he's a decent play. Uh week in and week out because he does run a lot of routes for for Jacksonville. Okay, now to Tennessee. (laughs) 
Marcus Mariota had 304 yards. If you watched the game, I, I and I caught a lot of it. I had uh, had had everything going on last night from you know the the Cardinals Cubs game to uh, the college football game. But you watched the game, and I, I saw a lot of it. Mariota was not good. His offensive line did nothing for him. But somehow he wound up with 304 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Uh, took a lot of sacks again. Derrick Henry, 17 carries, 44 yards. He did save his fantasy night with a touchdown, John. Uh, and then you got Adam Humphreys, targeted nine times, caught six passes for 93 yards. That was about it, though. Corey Davis didn't do much, and we didn't expect him to with him seeing a fair amount of, of Jalen Ramsey, uh, who's an outstanding, the outstanding quarter for Jacksonville. But, I mean, really, is there anything that we that we learned or didn't learn last night out of Tennessee's offense? Well, I think you look at it from like, where do we go from here? Right. <laughs> and, and like, who are the players that are useful in this offense? And I think Derrick Henry is still useful. He's got 18 touches and he's probably going to run better than he did uh, typically. Or, you know, that he did Thursday night, he's going to run better typically than what he did. Um, Mariota ended up with 304 passing yards and 34 yards rushing. So his day was actually not that terrible, but they don't want to open up the offense unless they're trailing. And um, so it's not going to happen every single week. I'm looking at it from a target standpoint. Like Humphreys, after doing nothing for two weeks, now gets nine targets. This seems like a flash in the pan. He's going to have to do this uh, you know, one or two more times before I really tar- start taking him seriously in PPR formats. You know, Tajay Sharp is second in yardage at 70 yards on three targets. Then you have Delani Walker, who's maybe the most trustworthy player in this offense outside of Henry. Uh, seven for 64 on nine targets. I mean, he's being used at least in PPR formats. He's you know, puts up 13.4 for you. Um, Davis is super alarming. I mean, I think the three for 44 on four targets efficiency wise against a really good secondary is not bad, but the fact that this guy is getting the fourth most targets on his team behind Humphreys Walker and AJ Brown, um, that's really terrifying. And as a, I do have Davis in one league and he's just going to sit on the bench until something happens and he might get cut soon. I'm with you. Um, and I have a deeper bench, so he's on the fringe of getting cut. Uh, he's so talented, too, and I don't get it. Um, I think it's a usage issue, and it's a Marcus you know, Mariota Marcus issue. Mariota issue. <laughs> um, and then, so that's it. I mean, what else are you going to talk about, Janu Smith or Tajay Sharpmore? I mean, there's there's nothing good happening here other than Henry and really Walker that you can count on on a weekly basis, so I would pretty much cut ties with the rest. I might just bench Corey Davis because we know he's talented. And maybe he starts to break out. I mean, he did have, uh, you know, two pretty good fantasy seasons so far. Yeah, I got Corey Davis in our league, and I just, I don't, I'm in the same boat as you. You just, you, you, he's got, he's got so much talent. He was a top five pick, but I, it, the Tennessee's, Tennessee's offense, the passing game, Mariota, just, it, it just can't. It, there's nothing. There's nobody's firing on any, on all cylinders, and it's not just Mariota. It's the offensive line. They got two guys out, Taylor Lewan being one of them because of suspension. It's just it's nasty. It's nasty in Tennessee. All right, we're, uh, we're going to discuss John's sneaky starts for the week. First, a word, though, from our sponsors. Today's episode was sponsored in part by Iconic, where you can shop name brand glasses, contacts, and sunglasses for the best possible price. Iconic seamlessly connects your eyewear, your vision insurance coverage, and your doctor's expertise with their network of over 38,000 eye doctors. Use their virtual try-on tool to see yourself in your favorite pair of glasses. John, I know you recently bought a pair of glasses from Iconic, right? Yeah, I actually got a pair of prescription Nike sunglasses. I was able to search by the size of the frames, and I have a big head, so that certainly helped. <laughs> and the site actually scanned my face for their virtual try-on feature, which was pretty cool. Uh, uploading my prescription was easy, and my sunglasses came within a few days, so all in all, it was a good experience. 
Well, if you want to be like John, enjoy the view and visit iconic.com backslash T-M-A-P. That's E-Y-E-C-O-N-I-C.com backslash T-M-A-P to shop 60 high-quality name brands including Nike, Ray-Ban, Oakley, and AccuView. Get free shipping and returns, price matching, and a complimentary frame adjustment, plus save up to $220 when you apply for your insurance. Don't have insurance? Use the code T-M-A-P to get 10% off your entire order. Iconic is looking out for your eyes. Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy site in the business, brings the heat again with a $750,000 guarantee rake-free contest. The Hooter main event with its $100,000 first place payout. This is the largest and only rake-free contest running anywhere for NFL Week 3. That's right, Fantasy Draft is the only daily fantasy site where you can play contests with no management fees, taken out of the prize pools 100% of the time, not just for a limited time promotional contest. Listen, as other fantasy sites continue to raise rake, prize pools are being squeezed, making it harder for players like you to win. Whether you call it rate, commission, management fee, whatever you call it, the days of paying 10, 12, or even 16% of your entry fees to fantasy companies are over. No longer will you lose 30% of your bankroll to the house. Sign up at fantasydraft.com today with promo code 444 and you'll get a free seven-day trial and your first $1,000 of rate free entry fees. That's fantasydraft.com. Promo code 444. Don't miss your shot at millions of dollars in rake-free contests this season. Start playing on Fantasy Draft today. Your bankroll is going to love it. Sneaky starts times. One of my favorite uh, times of the week. Here we go. Let's run through a few players at, at each position. I do. I, I, I always enjoy sneaky starts. Uh, let's start off with Jimmy Garoppolo, John. I, I remember in the preseason, everybody's like, oh, well, you know, this uh, he looks terrible. Well, two weeks in and Garoppolo looks pretty good. You got him as a sneaky start this week against Pittsburgh. Yeah, Steelers pass defense. It's no bueno. Uh, it's it's bad, or it has been bad. He gave up 300 yards, I think, both in the first two games uh, passing. Um, last week, Garoppolo had 200, 297 yards passing, three touchdowns against the Bengals. Uh, he's averaged 272 yards, 1.5 touchdowns in 10 starts uh, for Kyle Shanahan. And then, you know, the Steelers... 341 and three touchdowns to Tom Brady, 303 touchdowns to Russell Wilson. You know, Grappolo is not those two players, but he can he can put up 280 and two on this on this team. Um, and I think Mason Rudolph will be good enough on the other side of the ball to keep uh, you know the 49ers engaged offensively. Any other quarterbacks you want to discuss this week? Yeah, I noticed Kyler Murray is. I don't know. He's not being. I don't know if he's being dropped in some leagues, but people are down on him a little bit. You know, he's had 300 yards to start. In two and back-to-back games to start his career, uh, which is not bad. Uh, 308 and two touchdowns against uh, the Lions. 349 yards against the Ravens last week, um, and he hasn't even broken a run yet. This guy's got three, 4.3 something speed, and you know he's going to take off and and run at some point. And I'm just waiting for that to happen. He is a, I think, a pretty high floor with the way they. Uh, push the pace, the number of pass attempts they they make, and I think he's got a really high ceiling as well. So I would not forget about him. If you have him in your on your team, maybe you're doing a quarterback by committee and you're thinking about benching this week, I think he's a good start against Carolina. Yeah, I like him too. And, and really the, the, the problem with Arizona's offense right now is they continue to get bogged down in the red zone, and that's, that's the problem with – 
the the air raid. You know, you you, you go down the field because you got all the space to work with, but then you get into the red zone and everything becomes condensed and the defense becomes condensed and all of a sudden, you know, uh, offenses that have been moving the ball consistently they stall out. So Cliff Kingsbury's got to do a better job of. Um, not that I could do a better job, but you know, speaking from a, an observation standpoint, he's got to figure out how to, to get the ball into the end zone more. Maybe running Kyler Murray will help. All right, at running back, we've talked about Frank Gore, so how about another exciting name here? How about Peyton Barber as a sneaky start? Yeah, you just look at what he did last week, and is was that something that they want to do now going forward? They talked about you know giving it to the hot hand, so that, that makes me a little worried. Like maybe Barber goes out and does his – three yards and fall down, you know, falls down type of a, an offense. And all of a sudden Ronald Jones breaks a run and now he's getting 20 some carries. But I think in this game against the giants, you know, the most likely top back is going to be Barber. And I think as a low end RB two flex type, you could run him out there and he's got a pretty good chance to give you a pretty good game against the giants. If they've struggled defensively at wide receiver, we already discussed the Eagles wide receivers, so let's talk about James Wash- and James Washington. Let's talk about Randall Cobb and Devin Smith with Michael Gallup out. You think they see some more uh, opportunities this week? Yeah, there's a couple things going on here with Gallup out. Um, Devin Smith obviously had a big game last week, 70-something yards receiving and a touchdown, so he's basically the, the direct replacement for Gallup. Um, and then you have... Like, okay, well, you'd normally be like, oh, Gallup's out. Like, let's look at Amari Cooper. Well, he's going to be shadowed by Xavier Howard, who's been great so far this year. And, he, you know, he's probably going to give Cooper a tough day. Now, it's still the Dolphins, um, so I think Cooper still will produce. But I'm not, it's not like I have Cooper as my number one overall receiver. Um, I think Cobb and Smith, both they both have their – like, I think Cobb maybe more in PPR. He has a higher floor. Uh, Smith, I think, has maybe the higher ceiling with, you know, maybe making a couple of deep catches. Um, but they have great matchups against this uh, Dolphins team. This is the highest, I think, implied total for one team, the Cowboys, uh, on the on the slate. So there's going to be a lot of fantasy points scored, I think, on that side of the ball. It's just a matter of how they're divvied up. Uh, I don't think Ezekiel Elliott is going to score four touchdowns, uh, and the Cowboys are probably going to have four or five, six touchdowns. So um, I think these these kind of these periphery receivers are good plays this week, Cobb and Smith. We already discussed tight end, and uh, you know we talked a little bit about David and Joku. So, how about a streaming defense or two that's flying under the radar this week? Yeah, the, the Packers' defense is still pretty widely available. Um, they've been creating a ton of pressure. The two Smith Smiths that they signed in free agency are creating tons of pressure, uh, which is great as a Packer fan. Uh, and I like I like the I like the matchup against uh, the the immobile statuesque Joe Flacco. Um, so this could be a nice day of sacks, I think, for the Packers' defense. Uh, maybe if they jump out to a lead, he throws a pick or two as well. Um, I like the 49ers at home against Mason Rudolph a bit. Um, I think Rudolph will be okay and probably pretty good, but he'll take some chances and throw some picks. Um, and then Tampa, Tampa Bay's defense is kind of flying under the radar on a whole. They're a lot better than they were last year. Uh, so, you know, they're getting uh, Jones and his uh, rookie is in his first start. Uh, I think Jones will be pretty decent too, but this is a, you know, first starts are always uh, tantalizing from a, you know, playing the defense uh, against them uh, standpoint. So I think that's a pretty good start as well. And then one that's really flying under the radar, I think, is Cleveland versus the Rams. And I have not yet to move them up in my uh, rankings, but I was talking with Kevin Zatluko, who's our uh, data scientist on staff, MIT grad. And uh, we were looking at some of the data below the surface there, and the Rams have allowed the most pressures 
through two weeks um, per PFF, and Cleveland has generated 34 pressures. Uh, so Rams have yielded 36, which is the most. Cleveland has generated 34. I'm not sure if that's the most or it's up there. So typically the Rams are a bad matchup for fantasy defenses, but the way the line is playing right now, this could turn into a 4-5-6 um, sack game if the if the Browns can really start to rattle uh, Goff. All right, good stuff. Before we go, just want to remind listeners that this podcast is brought to you by Iconic, a not-for-profit organization that will help you find the perfect pair of eyewear or contacts. Don't forget to use the code TMAP for 25% off of any 4 for 4 subscription. Uh, John, if you want to throw out that link again uh, to, to help bump up um, you know, things for you as well, go ahead and throw that out. Yeah, it's a uh, bit.ly, bit.ly, backslash tmapjohn. Tmap John is all in caps. Beautiful. And for John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next time on the Most Accurate Podcast. Good luck this week in all of your fantasy year-long and DFS plays. Uh, again, we'll see you next week. You hold on. The load is gone. Run a mile. see him smile. But you don't know he's on the door. Playing you for the fool Let him go, 